Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning into the College Age Movement podcast. We are in our third part of our series, Dear Church. And we're just walking through the book of Galatians, uh, a letter written by the Apostle Paul to the church in Galatia. And this was just a really interesting church. So I, I just want to talk a little bit about some context behind this. And we've done this each and every week. And this is that the church in Galatia, like a lot of the other churches at the time, were made up of a mishmash of different people. We had uh, several people within the church that were uh, people who had been practicing traditional Judaism for so, so long. And then we had people who were considered Gentiles who had been practicing pagan religions for a long time as well. And so this is just a church full of messy, broken people with different backgrounds and different stories. And so we can appreciate that, right? Because we are a church uh, or a ministry that is full of messy, broken people. And uh, we have different backgrounds and different stories as well. And so this letter uh, is penned to us as as well. So uh, last week, we talked about the value of conversation and also the fact that nobody is above reproach. We talked about how getting into conversation with people about our faith, about our lives is so valuable, just on a human level, but also on a spiritual level too, that if we spend time with other people, people who believe what we believe and people who don't, there's so much value in having dialogue. And so the encouragement last week was just to make sure that you intentionally set space within your schedules to have conversations with people to love people well, and to also let love, let p- other people love you uh, too. And then we also talked about the fact that there's not a single person in the church that doesn't have uh, the need to be called out if they're living a life that's not up to the standard that, that Jesus has called us to. A part about a part of being in the church is that we get to to call each other up and we get to call each other out if necessary. And sometimes that's awkward. Uh, but we have verses in Matthew that just say, hey, if you've been offended or you have, have a problem with someone, then go talk to them. Go have that conversation that uh, you need to have. And even if it's a hard conversation, it's not about judgment. It's not about being better than them. It's just about calling each other up and out into a, a different standard and a different way of life. And so we talked about those things last week. And then this week, we're going to walk through the third chapter of Galatians. So we're going to start in Galatians chapter three, verse one, and it says this, you foolish Galatians, which is such an awesome way for a chapter to start. Uh, who, was be- who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. So the first point is Christ crucified, Christ crucified. Paul is trying to communicate that it all needs to point back to the central theme of the message that he brought to Galatia, Christ and him crucified. Christ and him crucified should dictate everything that we think and everything that we do. When, when we're going through our lives, when we're experiencing relationships, or we're experiencing jobs, everything, that at some point we need to understand that at the foundation, at the center, at the core of everything that we do, Jesus needs to be present. And there's going to be all these external factors, all these circumstances that we want to bring in, but those things cannot be brought in if we cannot settle on the fact that Jesus is at the core of everything that we do. One of our core values here at Faith Chapel is just simply Jesus in everything, that everything comes back to Christ and him crucified. And the church in Galatia, even just, just a little, a little bit of time after Paul had planted this church and left to plant another one, they had to be reminded that it wasn't about everything else that they were striving for, but it was all about Jesus and that Jesus was clearly crucified. And the message that he brought and the fact that he came and died on a cross for them was supposed to be at the central of everything that they were doing. So as we're doing church or as we're living life, can we confidently see the way that it glorifies glorifies and acknowledges what Christ did for us? I think that's a good question. That, that can I look at my life and say, hey, I'm acknowledging Jesus every day. And that could be with my words, that can be with my actions, that can be with my prayer life, can be with my relationships. But am I making sure that what I am doing and who I am being is acknowledge, acknowledging Jesus's role in my life and the fact that he died for me, and that is why I do everything that I do? 
the, the phrase because Jesus should be an answer that we regularly give. And it doesn't have to be weird, but when people ask you, like, why do you treat people that way? Hopefully you can confidently say, oh, because Jesus, because Jesus has called me to love people unashamedly. Jesus has called me to accept people. Jesus has called me to, to just be kind and gracious and compassionate and, and just bring peace on people's lives. Or if people say, hey, why don't you do X, Y, or Z? You can say, oh, because Jesus, because Jesus has called me to a higher standard, because Jesus has asked me to be different than that. And, and that's not something that, that I want to do be, because of Jesus. And hopefully I can say that, and hopefully you can say that because Jesus is a huge thing that we say. And it doesn't have to be weird. It doesn't have to be a, a part of every small intricacy. Like you're at the grocery store and they're like, why did you bag your groceries that specific way? And you'll say, oh, because Jesus. Like, no, don't don't get weird with it. You don't have to be uh, uh, obnoxious with it. But at, at the core and at the foundation, we, we have because Jesus is a regular phrase that we use. And then the Galatians were trying to add to the simplicity of the gospel. And I think that we still struggle with that today, right? We love making lists. We love checking boxes in our daily lives, but also in our spirituality, we start to to create these expectations on ourselves where we're like, okay, well, here's the six things that I need to do every day to be a good follower of Jesus, or here's what they need to do every single day to become a good follower of Jesus. And so we start to create new expectations of what a Christian should look like instead of just looking at what Jesus said that we should be. And what's been really interesting for me over the last five years as a pastor is that I, I probably don't look like many pastors here in Montana and um, uh, skinny jeans and, and flannels and flat bill caps. And I've had several instances where people are like, hey, can I talk to a pastor? And then I'll come talk to him. Like, no, I wanted to talk to a pastor. <laughs> I want to talk to a real pastor. And I would love to say that, that I can just brush that off, but I don't very rarely. And I get frustrated that people would just like make that expectation and they have this such a clear picture in their head. But then I've also had instances where I've walked into a situation and completely read it wrong. And my expectation, even after seeing someone or hearing about someone is one thing, and they completely blow me out of the water with their love and their knowledge and, and all of those things. And they get to pastor me, even though that's my official title. And, and so I think that we put these expectations on fellow believers. And then we also put expectations on other people that if you don't follow Jesus, you are this way. I think we just need to be super careful because it's not about our expectations. Like our worry should not be about fulfilling the expectations of other people. It should be about filling the expectations that Jesus has for us. And at the same time, we shouldn't be throwing expectations on people outside of the church. We should just be loving them unconditionally and hopefully getting them in relationship with Jesus so that they can be held to those same expectations that we get to be held to. And uh, that, that's what leads Paul to have the following conversation with the church in Galatia. Verses 2 through 3 say, I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish? After beginning by means of the Spirit, are you now trying to finish by the means of the flesh? So the second point today is this, is the human pursuit of a spiritual finish line. For thousands of years, the Jewish people had boxes to check. The same applied to the Gentiles who had been worshiping other, worshiping other gods. And what was frustrating for Paul was that there was this perfect clarity in the message of Christ that eternity wasn't secured by anything that one could do physically. See, Paul had communicated to them that through faith, one would spend eternity in heaven with Jesus. And I think that we have a tendency to look at the early church and shake our heads, but we have to realize that for generations upon generations upon generations, everything was based in what you did 
not just what you believed, that there was this law that they were being held to, and there was a very specific reason that the law was in place, but it did have this element where you you had to do things in the morning, in the afternoon, in the evening, and when you prayed, you prayed this way, and when you ate, you ate this way. And, and the law dictated almost every move of their daily lives. And then Jesus came and flipped everything on its head when he made a new covenant, when he created the new covenant. And uh, it's just it's just really easy for us to shake our heads, but we, we have to understand this. And they, they had been living paint-by-numbers lives, and Jesus wanted more from them than that. He wanted more for them than that. This new covenant that he was bringing was not just going to add to this law. It was going to actually completely fulfill it. It was going to put a bow on it, and it was going to create something new and fresh. And that was really challenging, but also really, really exciting for them. And so then in verses four through six, it goes on to say, have you experienced so much in vain? If it really was in vain, so again, I ask, does God give you his spirit and work miracles among you by the works of the law or by your believing what you have heard? So also Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. So the question would be, what are we learning? What are we learning? Every single life is a process. Every single life has pain. Paul wants to point out those realities and ask if the Galatians have actually learned anything in their individual processes. So the question would be, are we learning anything from ours? Are we learning anything from our process? Every person in, that is listening to this, every person that, that comes to college age or comes to Faith Chapel or, or just every person in general has gone through so many things jobs, relationships, failures, or successes. We all have life experience. But that will all be for nothing if we cannot come to the singular conclusion that no matter what we do, we don't earn the grace of God. No matter what we do, we do not earn the grace of God. The struggle that we are having today is very similar to the problem that they were having 2,000 years ago. And we should see that as a major problem. We apparently haven't learned that much. You see, faith in Jesus is believing in who he is and who we are becoming in him. It's about understanding that the creator of the universe wants to have a personal relationship with us, that he came and he changed everything. He, he led us into personal relationship. He, he gave us eternal life with him, and he is creating something new in us. You see, when we're always focused on, on works, our focus is only on doing, and we miss the part about being. If our focus is only on doing, we miss the part about being. I don't want to just do good things. I want to be a good husband. I want to be a good follower of Jesus. I want to be a good dad. I want to be a good man. I don't want to just do good things so that people think that I am. I actually want to be those things. I think I think that the struggle that I have every day is recognizing that no matter the amount of good I do, I won't get enough gold stars to become any more important or any more accepted. And, and maybe you need to hear what I needed to hear, and that is Jesus has already determined your value. Jesus has already turned my value, determined my value. The price at the cross was what he paid for us. That was the value that he, that he had decided. He determined that our value was worth the cross. And so he went and he died and he forgave all of our sins and he shed his blood as a sacrifice so that we could be redeemed time and time again throughout life for every human being that was and every 
human being that is and every human that will be, Jesus died on the cross, and that was him determining our value. So why do we spend so much time trying to earn God's love or so much time worrying that we have lost it? Because we are stuck checking boxes instead of simply believing that when Jesus said, it is finished, that he actually meant just that, that it is finished. I have come and it is finished. The sacrifice has been made. I am it. Now, that doesn't mean that we are not called to do good as well. James chapter 2, verses 14 through 17 says, What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well-fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. And this might sound contradictory, but what James is trying to say is don't just have faith with your words. Don't just try to give off the perception that you have faith. Actually have faith that God is going to provide, that God is going to do something. See, a spiritual understanding and belief in who God is will naturally lead to a physical expression of that understanding. If we truly believe in Christ and we surrender our lives to him, we can't help but start taking action. And I think the issue is that we place all of our value on the action instead of seeing the eternal value in the motivation behind it. If the value lands on the action themselves, that is just behavior modification. And what James is saying here is that works become proof of faith. If we are just full of words, who is going to see our faith? We want people to actually see a physical representation of faith, of what we actually believe in Jesus. You see, faith doesn't give us the license to be lazy. We don't get to just sit back and say, hey, I'll throw up a a Hail Mary prayer here, um, and God will get it. Like, God will get it. You see, I've been in several instances where we've, we've told someone or I've told someone that I'll be praying for them instead of just engaging in a solution with God. I remember specifically a time where my friends and I, we were driving by Walmart and there's this spot that there's always somebody with a sign asking for money. And so we stopped and we started to have a conversation with this guy and his name was Stephen. And uh, I said, Stephen, what, what can I be praying for you for? And he's like, just looks at me with this dead stare in his eyes. And he's like, I'm just hungry. And so I was like, okay, like I'll be, I'll, I'll be praying for that. Let me actually, like, can I just pray that, that somehow you will get food? And one of my friends just taps me on the shoulder and is like, how about we just go get him food? And I was like, you know what? That's, <laughs> that's a pretty good idea. Maybe we should just go take him and grab him some lunch. You see, maybe instead of just praying for a solution, we should recognize that we could be the solution that they have been praying for. I want to say that again. Maybe instead of just praying for a solution, we should recognize that we could be the solution that they have been praying for. So we are justified through faith, but we are called into action. We want to engage with the world's problems. We want to engage with the people of the world. We're not just going to pray for people. We're actually going to engage with them and love them and be a part of the solution. That is the call that we have. So Paul goes on to talk about this for the rest 
of the chapter, but there are a couple passages within the chapter that I want to point out that can give us just a little bit more clarity. So in chapter 3 of Galatians, Paul goes on to say in verses 15 through 18, brothers and sisters, let me take an example from everyday life. Just as no one can set aside or add to a human covenant that has been duly established, so it is in this case. The promises were spoken to Abraham and to his seed. Scripture does not say and to seeds, meaning many people, but and to your seed, meaning one person who is Christ. What I mean by this The law, introduced 430 years later, does not set aside the covenant previously established by God and thus do away with the promise. For if the inheritance depends on the law, then it no no longer depends on the promise. But God, in his grace, gave it to Abraham through a promise. So the next point would be this, is the promise predates the law. The promise predates the law. For so many of us, it is easy to look at the Old Testament and the law, and we'd see it as the earliest covenant made between God and man. However, God made a promise to Abraham over 400 years prior to that that laid the foundation of what a relation, what, excuse me, of what a relationship with God meant. 430 years prior, laid a foundation of that. Remember that the verse six says that Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. You see, faith and obedience to what God is asking of us is central, believing that he always has the best for us in mind. See, there was a promise that was made, and that was the original covenant. You see, Galatians chapter 3, verses 21 through 25 go on to say, Is the law therefore opposed to the promises of God? Absolutely not. For if a law had been given that could impart life, then righteousness would certainly have come by the law. But scripture has locked up everything under the control of sin so that what was promised, being given through faith in Jesus Christ, might be given to those who believe. Before the coming of this faith, we were held in custody under the law, locked up until the faith that was was to come would be revealed." This is important. So the law was our guardian until Christ came that we might be justified by faith. Now that this faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. I think it's important that we understand that the law was unbelievably vital for the nation of Israel to stay in tune with God. It was a guide. It was a guardian to keep them away from sin and struggle. I don't know about you, but when I was growing up, I had several friends who had parents who were there, but they weren't really there. They paid for things, but they didn't really parent that much. And I remember being kind of jealous because my parents were so involved in my life. They they wanted to be a part of my school life. They wanted to be a part of my relationships. And as a teenager or even younger, I just remember being so annoyed with that. Just like, let me live my life. Leave me alone. I, I wish that my parents were disengaged. Now, as a parent, I look back on that and I'm like, what an idiot I was to, to want parents who were disengaged. The problem was is that, that my parents were giving me a guide. They were giving me a blueprint on how to live life, how to be a good man, how to be a good follower of Jesus, and my friend's parents weren't really doing that at all. They weren't present, and they weren't giving a guide, and they weren't really guardians at all. And what happened is that when we got to start making real-life decisions, I had a foundation laid for me. My parents had given me guardrails. They had given me the, the Bible. They had given me relationships. They had given me time. And they had said, like, hey, here's some things that we suggest that you do. 
and my friends didn't have that. And so they, it was just a dumpster fire at points that they made decisions that were so unfortunate time and time again. And I wasn't perfect by any stretch, but I made maybe you could say less bad mistakes because I had been given a, a, a law, so to speak, a, a set of rules, a code to live by. I knew what was expected of me. And we have a tendency to scoff at it, but this was a crucial element in the coming of Jesus. And we should have eternal appreciation of that. God knew that the nation of Israel needed this, and he knows what you and I need today. So Jesus has it covered. You see, Jesus fulfilled and continues to fulfill the promise that was made to Abraham. That, that, that's an incredible thing, and we never, ever want to lose sight of that, that Jesus fulfilled and continues to fulfill the promise. So we need to have eternal appreciation of what God knew that the nation of Israel needed and also that he knew what we needed, and that was Jesus. So what I want to do is I just want to wrap this podcast up just by simply reading the end of this chapter over your life, and I hope that it's something that that resonates with you. Galatians chapter 3, verses 26 through 29 says this. It says, So in Christ Jesus you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Hey, thanks for listening to the College Age Movement Podcast. We will see you guys hopefully soon on a Tuesday night, or we will get back to you next week with a new podcast. Have a great week.